What is going on, everybody? This is Mike Hughes, and you're listening to Mike on the Mic, everything sports-related podcast. I'm sitting here today with Chicago Bears legend, the hardest-hitting safety I've ever seen in my life, Doug Plank. Doug, you're one of my childhood icons. Um, it, it's an honor to have you, man. How's everything going on your end? You know what? I, I really can't complain. Uh, you know, I've just had, I've had conversations with a lot of my former teammates, and uh, some of them are doing great. Other ones aren't doing as well you know, from a physical standpoint. Right. And uh, I just feel, feel blessed. I was one of the lucky ones that really got through it without too many injuries or complaints. And, uh, you know, it was uh, when you're trying to hit somebody as hard as you can, they're bigger than you are. Uh, it's easy to pick up injuries and, uh, you know, broken bones and all those sort of things. And I certainly had my share of that in my career. Right. And, you know, you, you were talking about that just now, like guys that you're still talking to. I was just curious, like, who are some of the guys? I know, like, Gary Fensick is probably one of the guys you're still really close with to this day. But other than that, like, who are still guys from those 75 to 82 Bears that you still communicate with? You know what? Uh, you know, Bruce Herod was a guy that played special teams. He was a linebacker. You know, I, I keep in touch with him. You know, Gary, obviously Gary Fensick. Uh, another kid from Ohio State that I good friends with, Brian Bashnagel. Uh, I roomed with Bob Thomas, the kicker. And, you know, that's an interesting, you know, because kickers are not like your typical football players. Right. They always have different, you know, Bob was ultimately, a, a, you know, a, a Supreme Court justice, I think, for Illinois. And, uh, you know, he's a smart guy, uh, you know, went to law school. And, uh, you know, so he always had a very interesting perspective on football and sports and, you know, what was going to happen to all the, all the athletes after things were over, what right. directions they were they going to go to. Uh, Terry Schmidt, you know, is another cornerback. I really was pretty good friends with pretty much everybody on defense because especially those guys in front of you, you're really dependent on them for you to survive and succeed. And so the Mike Singletary's of the world, um, you know, those guys really, you know, made a huge difference. And uh, Otis... Uh, Wilson, uh, you know, just a, just a lot of really, really good players. Uh, Ted Albrecht, another offensive guard. Uh, you know, but it's good to have good friends on a team because, you know, you really share some really incredible memories. Right. And, you know, I, I wanted to talk about a couple of those memories. And one, I wanted to get out of the way because, you know, I have to ask it if you had any Walter Payton stories because everyone always wants to hear about it. They always say he was a jokester. <laughs> I wanted to know if you had any personally. You know, I was really lucky. I, when I first got to Chicago, they didn't know how to put people in different rooms. And nobody was friends because everybody was coming from somewhere else. Uh, there were guys from the team the year before, but most of those guys were released. You know, right. I think 50% of that team was released before we ever started the next year. And we had a new coach in 1975 and a new draft choice, myself being one of them. Walter Payton was the other one. So just for ease of operation, they 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 uh, put everybody in rooms by alphabetic order. Well, I happen to be in a roommate of Walter Payton. So, uh, you know, it's funny just having conversations with him. You know, it's one thing. He, his conversations were totally different than the way he was on the field. Very calm, you know, very, very uh, un understood off the field. But when he got on the field, look out. He was powerful and he was strong and he could lift all the weights in the weight room and just explode. He was fast. Um, so I was his roommate and I'll never forget one day we were asking him, uh, just having a conversation and he said, Doug, I want to ask you a question. He goes, do you think I deserve the, the uh, Heisman trophy winner? And, uh, you know, he asked me that question because at Ohio state, 
I played with the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner, Archie Griffin, who was a running back. Right. And I said, uh, let me just say this. I mean, Archie had a lot of skills, and he scored touchdowns. And he was on a team that was very successful, that won the, the Big Ten Championship three years in a row, yeah. four years in a row, went to four Rose Bowls. And I said, Walter, it's pretty simple. This is a game of media and exposure. And I said, here's the difference between you, you and Archie Griffin. Archie went to Ohio State. You went to Jackson State. <laughs> Archie Griffin was on national television five times a year. Five times a year. Walter Pate was on national television zero times. <laughs> zero times in his whole career. Now, that didn't mean that NFL didn't know who he was, but nobody else did. Right. You know, I never really heard his name for you know a couple of weeks before camp started. and uh, But his work ethic... And he was such a great illustration to the rest of the players on the team. This is what it takes to be a successful NFL player. Right. And, you know, you mentioned that, too, is like a lot of guys slip through those cracks because of the places they go or the positions they play. And I know you probably want to speak more on it yourself. But for people who don't know, it's like you started on special teams. Like you were not the man yeah, you did. are towards the end of your <laughs> career. And going into it, I remember reading, I was, I was reading something when I was a kid about it and how you never played like strong safety um, or no, it was free safety and, and you volunteered to play if you wanted to talk about that because that's just crazy to me. You know, my first year, uh, really, I just, I played strong safety, which is over on the tight end side and you're mm -hmm. five yards off the line of scrimmage and three yards to the outside. And I never played free safety, but that year, that rookie year of mine, uh, there was a guy uh, who was a veteran free safety. Uh, he, 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 he played a long time in the national football league and, uh, you know, he got hurt during the preseason and our head coach, who was a very defensive coach, Jack Pardee was a linebacker, um, and coached a lot of good teams with the, you know, with the Redskins and played for the Los Angeles Rams. And, uh, he said, has anybody played to free safety in here? Because when our free safety got hurt, we were kind of, you know, really needing the free safeties. Right. And I, I, I stuck my hand up and I go, Coach, man, I, I played free safety my whole time at Ohio State. I said, you know, put me in there. I'll, I'll do a good job. Well, I had, I had never played free safety. Right. And I don't even know what the responsibilities were. So in between practices, Mike, I'm going and looking in film room at what a free safety does. <laughs> I worry lines up. What's he do on each play? I'm doing that just to try to figure out, hey, I can't let these guys know that I never played this. Right. So, I, you know, by the time training camp was over, you know, which was six preseason games back then, I was the starting free safety for the Chicago Bears. I had people calling me up from Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> that were huge Ohio State fans going, Doug, you couldn't even start at Ohio State. How are you starting at the Chicago Bears? Well, it just so happened at Ohio State, I was behind – who was going to uh, – this kid was a year behind me. He was going to be a first-round draft pick, Tim Fox, for the New England Patriots. And he played, I think, 13 or 14 years in the NFL. So I'm not embarrassed to be behind him. You right. know, he was a great player. Definitely. And uh, at Ohio State, though, you know what? There were great players all the, everywhere. You know, right. I, I just – I think we, we really didn't have many weaknesses. Now, our only weakness was we ran the ball every play. You know, so that was – that – kept us back we could have been so much better and greater right had we not played a simple defense and a simple offense but you know what that's the way it was back then 
there weren't any really, you know, guys who were revolution in the game like they are now. You right. know, what the quarterback does and what the running back does, it's all different now. Mm-hmm. It's so much different. And it just takes a lot more understanding and learning. But uh, no, I, when I got there and I said, oh my gosh, there, I actually got a chance of starting and playing on this team. And it was so exciting and so energizing. I, I went into a serious weightlifting mode. I worked out after practice and before practices, and I did everything I could to put myself in a position to say, hey, this kid is serious about this business. And I kept trying to hit everybody as hard as I could every day, day in, day out. So, you know, when you hit people hard on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when it comes to the weekend, it's nothing. It's easy. (laughs) You go out there and now you have 50, 60, 70,000 people cheering for you. And you have nobody at practice, so you motivate yourself. So when it right. comes time for, for game time, it's like, man, am I ready? I feel jacked up, ready <laughs> to crunch somebody. So and it, it, was, it was so much fun running over everybody. <laughs> but, you know, you talk about that, too, about Ohio State. I don't know how deeply you still follow into the Bears and Ohio State, and you're talking about how it's a run-heavy offense. We got Justin Fields now. I wanted to know, do you have any take on that? How do you feel about <laughs> Justin Fields? Hey, listen, you know, last year, Kansas City, you know, Chiefs, they just kind of like, they were the, the flair of the NFL. Right. And everybody was fans of their team. Their quarterback was so incredible. He could run, he could pass. He was throwing right-handed. He was mm-hmm. throwing left-handed. He was throwing un- underneath. He was right. throwing the underneath. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what you have in this kid from Ohio State. I mean, I, I've watched him a lot. You know, just, um, just because I'm at Ohio State, I want to see what my former college team is doing. Right. And, uh, and, and you know what? The, the other thing I like about him, I've talked to some of the coaches and some of the other players who played with him. He's a, he's a hardworking person, right. and he's not egotistical. You know, there's so many guys in this world that play professional football or, or major college football, and they got heads that could not fit on this TV screen because right. their heads are so big. <laughs> um, and it hurts them because, you know, they're not willing to do the work and effort that it takes to be successful. Well, this kid's got it, Justin Fields. He's very uh, astute. He's a good learner. Uh, he practices very hard. And, you know, if, I don't know if you watched any of the uh, some of the playoffs later at the end of last year. He could take oh. a hit. He got, he got hit a couple times. Yeah, definitely. You know, no, nobody thought he was getting off the ground. He got, he got off the ground. And I think, you know, he's, he's going to be a dynamic player for the Chicago Bears. He's going to give them elements of an offense you know, the Bears, year after year after year after year, have had a great defense. But their offense, regardless of what's uh-huh. happening, I mean, I don't care if it was Jim McMahon, maybe it would go up there one year and be a good offense. Wow, back down again. <laughs> you know, it's like they don't they never stayed up here. They're right. always going down at the bottom. And the same thing is true with what they've had up here the last few years. I mean, when you're on defense and your offense can score points, I'm telling you, it is a, it's a pleasure to play football. When your offense stinks – and they can't score any points, and you're out there trying to play with zero points on the board, and the other team has seven or 14 points, they don't have to do anything. They can just sit on the ball. They just want the clock to go around, get the game over with, you know, because they know we're not going to score. You know, it it takes courage to go out there and make calls that plays that are going to put you in a bad situation. But you know what? What's true in the National Football League is true all around the country. Sometimes – Coaches and players don't want to put themselves in a position where they have to defend it. Right. Or there might be a chance that they do something wrong 
and now all of a sudden they come into the locker room after the game and you got 50 reporters from the Sun-Times and uh, Tribune asking you, hey, you stupid coach, why did you call that play? <laughs> so I've been, a, I, I've been a coach myself in the NFL college, uh, not a head coach, but an assistant coach. And, you know, it, everybody wants to be conservative right. and careful instead of reckless and going out and trying to score as many points as you can. Right. And I think, you know, that leads me to my next conversation with you is you mainly talk about it. Everybody talks about it. Buddy Ryan. Buddy Ryan was one of those guys. And, you know, for people, if you're listening to this and you don't know, I don't know where have you been, but, you know, Doug Plank named after the 46 defense by Buddy Ryan because of how aggressive you were. And what was it like, you know, having that with Buddy? And what was it like playing with guys like Jim, uh, not Jim, uh, Dan Hampton, Otis Wilson, and all of them? Oh, yeah. I mean, Stephen Michael, uh, just it was uh, Mike Singletary. Right. You know, it was such a pleasure. You know, uh, Buddy, Buddy, one day, he, he uh, we came in, it was a typical defensive meeting room, and we walked in there, and he had all these uh, illustrations on the board. And Buddy Ryan didn't do X's and O's. For those of you out there, you know, most football coaches, when they design plays, instead of putting down the players' names, that's too tedious, they just put X's and O's. And X's represent linemen, O's represent people playing off the ball. And uh, so instead of Buddy Ryan put numbers on the board. So whatever you, whatever position you played, your number was up on the board. And, you know, one day he came to me and he goes, Doug, how can you be the leading tackler on this team for three years in a row? And you're a free safety. You know, and out of the 11 players, 10 of those guys are in front of you. <laughs> So how do you get there? I, he goes, we're going to take care of that. And so when I walked in that day and everybody else did, when he had all these designs on the board, 46 is not a free safety. 46 <laughs> is the middle linebacker. That's Gary Fensick. Gary Fensick slid over from his strong safety position, who was a receiver in college. And, uh, you know, I, I was never much into, into interceptions. I, I'm not saying I couldn't get them. I was a high school quarterback. I had good hands. I could catch. I could throw. I could do all that. But I loved running into people. So if the guy was running across the middle and I saw the ball coming and he was gonna, I was going to get there just the time the ball got there, I made a decision. I, I used to watch games, and I used to see defenders sometimes try to go for a football, and guess what? They missed the ball. Guess what else happened? The receiver caught the ball and ran 50 or 60 yards right. for touchdown. I said, that is never going to happen to me. Never. Right. When that guy comes across the middle, if I see him anywhere in the area and think he's going to catch the ball, I'm just going to do something to hang around for a few seconds until he gets there. And when he gets there and the ball gets there, I'm going to get there. Right. And I I've never had a play where I hit a receiver and he was catching the ball and he went for a touchdown. No, it didn't happen that way. <laughs> it was, and and, and that's a now. whole different league nowadays, you know? Like, you can't do any of that. But that no, was growing up when I would play safety, I would watch your highlights. Because it wasn't that, like I said, it, like you said too, it wasn't that I couldn't catch. It was more of like I yes. knew it wasn't my strong suit, so I tried to find something to make me different. So I'd always be on like 10 years old, 12 years old, looking up Doug Plank videos and watching other guys who hit hard. And it was just crazy. <laughs> So, like, when I see guys, like, on the current Bears, you know, for a while it was a little soft. But, 
you know, you see guys like Kyle Fuller, Khalil Mack hitting these guys, yeah. and it and it really makes you get that old vibe, that old feeling of what like Bears football was. Um, but you know, you Gary, the Hitmen. I mean, that's got to be one of the greatest duos ever for Bears history, yeah. at least. You know, it, it was it was so much fun. Anyway, when Buddy put me at the middle linebacker position, and I had to make all these calls, I made all the line charges. You know, shifted the line down to the left to the right, whatever. I was the middle linebacker. That's what it was. And uh, Gary played free safety, and Buddy went through and described all these different positions for everybody. You know, and he put their names up on the board, not their not their their numbers and not their names. And uh, one of the players in our room said, "Buddy, what are you going to call this?" And he looked at that for a second, and he, he had a piece of chalk in his hand, and he walked up to the board. And, you know, if you remember back in school, teachers sometimes, if they were making a point of something, they would turn the chalk sideways and turn it like a big mm-hmm. – and he, so he, he turned the chalk sideways, and, and he, he had my number right in the middle of the board because I was a middle linebacker. And he goes – he circled it three times. He goes, we're going to call this the 46 defense. <laughs> now, nobody thought it was – any big deal you know it's like right but he was always in, he was always creating and investigating and doing all this stuff so it wasn't that big of a deal but i'll tell you what at 46 defense that thing started kicking butt right away from oh, day yeah. one um i think the first game we may have played it in soldier field with it was against the chargers and dan fouts their hall of fame quarterback you know he ran their offense and they had all kind of all pro players i think they had five all pros on their offense uh, receiver, tight end, uh, running back, and uh, we beat them. And you know that that truly made a big, big difference. That's that's comp- that's insane. I mean, it's one of those things where you really just have no idea like how things are gonna go until it goes. And it was probably one of the greatest things Buddy Ryan ever could have did for the history of the Bears. If if you don't think so, yeah, no, I think it was a great idea. I mean, I think it was one of a kind. And uh, he, he just was able to um, get everybody motivated. You know, one thing I liked about him, he could teach football, but more than anything else, he could be a great, he, he was a great inspiration. Right. And, you know, I wanted to ask you too, like, you know, you're talking about all these guys you played for, who did you play against that you think like really like, you know, I know you don't get starstruck a lot when you're in the NFL, but who was someone you played against where you, were, you went home and you were really just thinking like, wow, that was like, that was a great experience. You know, it's funny. These are some old, old time guys now, but you know, Joe Namath, I, mm-hmm. you know, playing against him. I played against him towards the end of his career. Earl Campbell, an incredible running back, strong, big, uh, fast. And, uh, you know, just, there was a couple guys, one receiver from Minnesota Vikings, Ahmad Rashad was really outstanding. Right. And, uh, you know, it just, it was, it was amazing playing against some of those players because, you know, they were strong and very powerful. And, um, you know, I wasn't a big player. You know, I was 200 pounds at 5'11". And uh, so there weren't many guys I ran to uh, ran into on the field that were bigger than I was. Right. So ev- everybody was a challenge. And, you know, like a lot of people don't even know. And, you know, it's it's fair if you don't know it. It's, it's fair if you do. Um, but you, after the NFL, later on, you go into coaching. You're an assistant coach for the Atlanta Falcons. You're assistant coach for the New York Jets. How was that experience like? What was that like for you going through that process? You know what's great about it? I really got a chance to see what it was like on the other side uh, to be able to, um, you know, see, envision what it was to be like as a coach. Right. And, you know, it was great. It was a great memory, great 
uh, opportunity to really, you know, see what I could do in terms of commanding, you know, attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was fun. It was, it was time went really really fast. And you know, um, I wanted to talk to you about something that you know you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. But I saw I was reading an article that you were interviewed in talking about concussions, talking Ooh. about everything that you went through, you experienced, and th- all, starting from like high school all the way to now. Um, you know, a lot of injuries play into the NFL. There's CTE, there's knee injuries, shoulder injuries. Um, you know, if you don't want to talk about everything you went through, that's perfectly fine. But I wanted to ask you. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Would you, would you do it again if you had to do it all over? Yeah, absolutely. I would. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that I I would do it in a second. Uh, I think the major reason being is that, you know, it's, it's once in a lifetime opportunity. And so many times you talk to people that have never had that chance and just the fact that I played in the National Football League, it means so much, not just to me, but to other people and other other people that I was able to touch base with. Um, you know, it's everywhere I go now. You know, if I go back home, for example, uh, back in Pennsylvania, you know, so many people are still recognizing me as a former right. NFL player and the opportunity to go ahead and uh, just, just make a statement like that. And that's that's awesome, man. And I just wanted to say thank you for coming on the show. It's been an honor talking to you, Doug. It, it meant the world, and I just wish you nothing but the best, brother. Well, thank you so much. No, I, I was a blast, and really, I, I'd be glad to talk to you anytime. I'm a broadcaster, so you know, I constantly am evaluating games and teams and players during the season, and uh, you know, maybe there's another chance we might have to connect later on. Yeah, most definitely. That's the that's the end goal. But thank you, Doug. This has been Mike Hughes from Mike on the Mic. This is Doug Plank, future Hall of Famer. Gotta say it now because that man <laughs> is without a doubt a legend in my eye. Thank you for being on the show again, man. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Mike. Recording stopped. All right, Doug. 